Saturday, March 30th, year Mesa Playground is warm shoes and it's two o'clock in the morning here. Uh, in Costa Mesa. Hope you all are doing well. What's your prayer? Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity and being here. Thank you for this wonderful day of Easter. Thank you for our friends and our family. Thank you for rising from the dead. To give us all new life and hope. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So please stand by, we'll get to you really soon, I'm going to get Patricia back on. So. What happened to my music? Come on. I am Alexander the Swoot, and I'm so confused. Jaws for Windows is ready. All stage time. Escape. Leaving menu bar. First stage. Select the fill flag. Patricia Osa. Patricia Newt. Both stage up. Stage up. Jimmy Weldon. Online. Stage up. Stage up. All change. Fill flag. Online. Imaginary. Jerry Ed. Jimmy Weldon. Kansas T. Michael B. Bolink. Reps Club. Tim Dolan. Plus one shot. Fill drop. Cynthia. Dennis R. Frank Rest. Jeff Silk. Jim Tate. KAC. Carolyn Rock. Carolyn. Patricia Hewitt, phone number 22 applications. Send SMS and like a group call. Enter leaving menus. Patricia Hewitt, phone number. Unloading job. Okay, but. My baby came home. Hooray! I thought a hunk they might be up there. Oh, the one guy never comes home at night, but this little guy, hmm, where has he been? Well, he's going to have to talk to his mama. Yeah, his wings are just kind of flopped out there like he's exhausted. Well, he, you know, spending all night. I know, you know, I know. He thinks he's big, and he's not. He's just a little kid. You know, you know, maybe he's learning about the birds and the bees. I don't know. <laughs> he is the bird. <laughs> <laughs> all he has to learn about is the bees. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're here, everybody. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. I know Patricia and I want to wish everybody a wonderful, happy Easter today, and hope you're going to have something you like to do, and stuff like that there. And stuff like that there. This is, I'm so happy my bird is home. <sighs> I was worried about him. I know you were. You know, I mean, it's nice that he's grown up enough that he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't need to be in his nest all the time, Yeah. but it's the first time he wasn't, so I was concerned. I know. Hello there, you on here. How you doing, guys? This is Paul. Hey, Paul! Hey, dinner was great. I'm glad. I'm glad. So, over the big topic of conversation, anything at the dinner table? Well, everybody was oohing and on over the food, I gotta say. 
My wife outdid herself again. We did um, boneless, sorry, fried boneless chicken thighs, mashed potatoes and homemade gravy, fresh green beans, really nice thin ones. Perfect. And, uh, oh, corn on the cob. It was That was frozen. I never had frozen corn on the cob, but it was very sweet. Just a little wrinkly looking, you know, but it was <laughs> really excellent. Probably you can buy them in bags, I guess, and then they, they froze them, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, they must look. Uh, I think they I think they blanch it first and then freeze it. I'm just remembering back to childhood uh-huh. uh, how Marvin said um, his wife used to freeze the corn um, that he grew. She blanched it and then she cut it off to the cob with a knife and froze it. There is nothing better than freshly picked sweet corn. I mean, I gone in the field and strip them down and. Take them home, like, and it, 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 there's nothing better than that. Yeah, eat it right then, huh? Yeah. 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 Strawberries, too. Oh, yeah. Strawberries, That's, too. Now, Patricia's claiming that this year the Florida strawberries have California strawberries beat. It's, still, it's the truth. It's the truth, huh? It's the truth. Florida yeah. has California beat? She said that the Florida strawberries are better than the California strawberries this year. Well, I don't know. Now, I just had my first strawberries this last week. Yeah. And um, they weren't as sweet as they're going to be, you know. hasn't been that warm that long. Uh, well, maybe we Californians are keeping our good ones and not shipping the good ones back to Florida, Patricia. Um, well, I haven't tasted Californian strawberries this year. Your crop isn't... It, ours comes in earlier than yours. Okay. But what we've got growing here is pretty good stuff. We have them just up my road, one mile. I like strawberries on vanilla ice cream. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah, you can't beat that. No. Nope. Oh, man. Nope. Strawberry pie, not bad. Strawberry shortcake. Anything strawberry. Strawberry with your old sugar on it? Strawberries. Strawberries. Just strawberries, strawberries? You know, I think strawberries with whipped cream is, but well, no. Yeah, it's good too. You know, yeah, strawberries with whipped cream would probably be very good. But you think about it, you don't think of strawberry juice being a, a really a big seller. I've never heard of it. But you know, it's like. You know, you can buy apple juice and pineapple juice and yeah. and grape juice and and they put fruit juices together. They put mm-hmm. I don't know what they put in cranberry juice, cran apple and other stuff. But you're right, I don't remember seeing strawberry in combination with other things. I like grapefruit, but grapefruit juice can be a little bit too strong. Yeah, it's pretty strong. It's really, really strong. Do you put sugar or a sweetener on your grapefruit when you eat it? Uh huh. Well, you don't get that in grapefruit juice. So. That's true, but I I can eat it plain. But you know, most of the time, when I grew up with a little sugar on, but now I think we just pop it open and away I go. Yeah. You know. It depends on how fresh it is too. You know, if it's right, if it's ripe from the tree, it's 
got its natural sweetness, but if they picked it early and just let it get some color sitting off in the corner somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have the sweetness. Nothing like vine or tree ripened. No, I agree. I agree. You know but my strawberries. Well, else? My, my, my had, strawberries this year are good. I had two PBJ sandwiches this week and a bowl of strawberries next to it, and I used the strawberries to lubricate the peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> and it tasted great. And so I thought, well, you know what? You use strawberry jam with peanut butter and jelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I pictured myself even slapping some peanut butter on it, but I didn't do it because I already had the sandwiches. But that was good. I bet you of all the jellies and jams out there, strawberries got to be number one. They're good. Or raspberry. I love raspberry. Yes. Or boysenberry. I do too. Boysenberry. I don't think I've ever had boysenberry. I know not very far. Boysenberries and raspberries. He sold raspberries like crazy. That was his uh, income besides whatever he maybe had from some other things that he didn't know about. Great. If I had to buy strawberry or Raspberry jam. I would pick the raspberry. I don't know if I I've ever had raspberry. I've you know boysenberry jam. Maybe as you point out, but maybe that's a California thing. I don't know. I don't know. I've never had it. I've never looked for it. Does it have a taste that's similar to another fruit or berry? What do you think, Paul? Like blackberries. Like a blackberry. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got a little bit of a, a, got a little bite to it. It was longer. You are you getting um, Loganberry maybe from Knott's Berry Farm? Mm-hmm. That's where Joe we, we get. Cause, you know, I live so close to uh, Knott's Berry Farm here. That's know. what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're. I don't know that I've seen Loganberries for sale in the stores ever myself, so I think you're kind of getting a specialty. Uh, uh, hey, that's why we Southern California are very special people. Yep. <laughs> not very Farm. I've been there. Patricia, they can feed 1,000 people for chicken dinner in the not very Farm restaurant. 1,000? 1,000. They can sit down at one time. Poor Kurt wasn't one of them. I know. One thousand yeah. at one time. At, oh, this is all sit down yeah, at the same sit down, time. Sit down at the same time. They can feed one thousand at a shot. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! They they have got to pay their short order cooks premium prices. It's pretty much all chicken, all fried chicken. Cause that's what Knoxbury Farm's known for. Yeah, it's a fried chicken dinner. Hey, what is oh. this clicking sound that I'm hearing? It's kind of like you're talking on a CB, and every time you let off the mic, there's a little click. Well, let's see. Is that better? Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. I might have my CD player rolling. So, and you would have heard that because you're in my left channel. But now if you don't hear it, then I've killed a CD. It's every time that you stop talking. I hear something, too. Um, it's a mistake. Let me let me check and see what the sound is. It's a still there. Yeah, it, sometimes sometimes it's from like callers' phones. 
Because every phone is different. Because around the country, everybody's phone calls they make come through a different passage. And a lot of it comes through the North Pole. And some phone qualities are not as good as others. And generally, that's what a lot of people will hear in the background is the quality of their phone. Okay, well, my phone's not different that I talk to you guys on, and I'm hearing it when you're done talking. Well, I can hear it from you when you're talking, though. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And see, because I'm I'm wearing headsets, I hear people's phone calls better than anybody because I'm hearing all the uh, shortcomings in a phone call, which you never, <laughs> which you don't ever hear when you just put the phone to your ear, but. Ever since I bought a headset, I can hear the you know the shortcomings of a phone call sometimes. I just checked right. iTunes and I can't hear it on iTunes, mm-hmm. and I can't hear it listening to the two of you talk. You can't hear it when we're talking. I, I cannot hear it. Correct. Oh, okay. It's special. You guys have a thing going. Yeah, I know. I know. It must be the, uh, the the system between you and I right. Right, right now. Right. Okay. Yep. And that's what happens sometimes. Are you well, calling me on a land? Are you you calling me from a cordless phone, right? Right, my cell phone. Yeah, and sometimes I always do. Yeah, sometimes cell phones qualities are not quite the same right. as a landline, and we get a most most of our calls I think are short or. Or a cell phone. So, you never know. Okay. Yep. Now, when I hung up, the, f- the first time I called, I heard you guys uh, talking about soap. Correct. Soap. What kind of soap did your mom make you use when you were a kid? Well, she didn't make us. It's just what they bought. And well, that's it was, just... we used a variety. We uh-huh. used ivory. Uh, dial. Mm, I don't. I know. I know. I've used that Irish Spring sometime, but it wasn't. I'm not even sure if it was at my house or not. And if it was, we definitely didn't buy it all the time. It probably was just maybe a curiosity thing or something like that. Uh, but that's the one with the commercial with Irish people dancing. Yeah, and was I, that, I was, like it too. It, it wasn't that like green wrapping paper. I'm trying to remember what. The soap had green and white yeah, swirls, okay. like. Yeah. Yeah. You, you remember seeing it when uh-huh. you were younger, huh? Yep, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking I remember more the TV commercials. Uh huh. First saw it when I was back in Nebraska. Okay. Oh, then it dawned on me too. Um. Uh, I don't remember where I learned this trick, but there's a bar soap called Fells Napsa that That's I what, believe yeah. that you use for uh, clothes. That's, Walden was talking about a brick of soap earlier, and I didn't think it was Fells Napsa. And Walden, you were absolutely correct. Yeah, you and it, you and Paul are talking about the, the same bathroom, thing. Really. I think it's for uh, scrubbing clothes, but the, I use it for whenever I was out hunting or, and I, you know, went through areas where I figured, you know, I, I've been through. Yeah, it, it never lathered, right? 
Hmm? It, it never lasts. It never lasts on you. You don't. Not really. You know. I mean, you have to work to put a bunch on you. This is this is what I do. I use it to prevent poison oak, mm -hmm. and I use it when I had poison oak. I mean, this, and it, it, it had a brown look to it, right? If I remember right, then yeah, then the brownish green. Yeah. Yes, and uh, a different smell, and the paper was uh, like white with printing on it, like shelves, naphtha, all over it or something. I actually have a bar that, that's survived in the back of my um, sink underneath in the cabinet. <laughs> Leftovers from, from my days in the early the, 80s. The stuff, if I remembered, was as hard as a brick to begin with. Yeah, so it keeping it isn't going to do any damage at all. I don't think it had any moisture to evaporate. Correct. What about evaporate? I said it was so hard that it probably didn't have any moisture to evaporate and get any harder. So what you see is what you had in the beginning. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, and I think I think it's got lye in it. And if I had poison oak, uh, I get in the shower and I. Like you say, it doesn't really lather that much, but I will, I will, you know, scrub up with it with the water running all over. And you know, they usually say don't use hot water on poison oak, but this is this is Paul's own system. I would use hot water, and I would I would scrub every inch of me all over with that stuff, and. Um, then I would turn the water off, and I would scrub it all over to where there was definitely a good film of it all over, and I would stand there for like five minutes, and it starts to burn. It's that strong. And then after five minutes or so, then I would then I would rinse that off, and I had to get out. And when you dry yourself off and you're finally actually 100% dry, your skin is actually tight. <laughs> So I wouldn't recommend it for girls that are, you know, looking for their, their, their beauty skin thing. But I've had poison oak really bad through the years. And, um, but when I was just out of high school and uh, was driving my uncle's bulldozer, uh, and I was in it all the time, I got it so much that eventually I really stopped getting bad breakouts of it and would only, you know, have... Uh, very mild, you know, proof that I was definitely exposed to it. But then, all the many years later, without being in it all the time, uh, I, I developed the ability to get it really bad. I guess that stuff could take off paint. It is so rough. Yeah, you know, it does have a gritty feel to it. Yeah. A literal gritty feel. It does. It's, it's not one of those type of bars you're going to slip out of your hand. <laughs> no. No. It's not. No. And any time you apply it on something, it's deliberate. Yeah. 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 And do you know, I think it is for, for clothes. Uh, oh, let me see. I, I found some information. Lux. Go ahead. Put your... <clears throat> Let me see. So, Napsa. This is yesterday, USA. Napsa, mm -hmm. um, 
Naphtha has a, a familiar sound to it. I wonder what Naphtha is. Oh, I think it's um, some kind of solvent or something like that. Well, that'll that'll work. It sure sounds right. Let's see. Naphtha, naphthalene. Naphtha is an extremely volatile explosive. <laughs> oh my goodness! Let me see here. Uh, that spells naphtha. What we want is naphtha. Any of several highly volatile flammable liquid mixtures of carbohydrates distilled from petroleum, coal tar, and natural gas. That's that's coal based soap. I'll be darned. Or 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 at least the naphtha part. I don't know. You want me to pull that bar out? No. <laughs> I'm sure I could find it real easily, but I I think I think you would find it over by the soap for clothes. And well, it I'm reminds me on... now as I say that. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking for ingredients luck. on the internet. Let's see. Fells naphtha contains one of more. Uh, let's see. According to the ingredients list, let's see. Good old wiki. You know. Is that P H E O S? And yeah, it's S E L S N A P T H A. Used for pre-treating stains on clothes and as home remedy for exposure to poison ivy and other skin irritants. Let's see. Use and what we want is ingredients. Hold on. Ingredients. Stoddard solvent is no longer used in the soap. That's talking as if the soap is still available. It is. It is. Okay. Health I mean, considerations. This I bought in the probably no later than 1984. Oh, well, that's a long time. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. It is. That's. It's almost 20 years. Four. <laughs> oh my One, goodness, that's 30. right. 84, 94, 204. Yeah, it's almost 30 years. 53. Um, okay, so we don't have, we know what it doesn't have, because one of the ingredients was taken out. Let's see if we can get some history here. Don't go away. Not a soap. It's a long time ago. It just doesn't feel like it in one regard. Yeah. In one regard, it feels like forever ago. <laughs> uh, that was in my heyday of wild boar hunting. Right. And, uh... In the other, in the other regard, it's been so long. <laughs> so many things have happened since. Neutrogena is another soap. I I have had. Yeah. I had acne problems in, in all the way into my late thirties, and finally I guess I've grown out of it. But uh, with Neutrogena, it was always the soap that we used to, you know, clean the yeah, skin. Yeah, my my sisters always had that. And and um, so I even bought some for a, a while. Mm -hmm. um, it's clearish, clearish right. uh, honey like, uh, which I liked. You know, that was real cool. <laughs> and it was small. 
you know, it wasn't a big bar. No. Uh, so on listening to Lux Radio, when they're talking about um, Lux Soap, yep. and extending the life of nylons, mm-hmm. and they're saying, you know, so much more gentler than bar soap. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, did they actually rub bar soap on their nylons? How did they expect them to last at all if they did that? I mean, if I had bar soap and I was going to be cleaning nylons, I would just make up a lather in my hands and and have a small bowl and and wash it that way if I was going to use some type of bar soap. Yeah, made it. How did you learn how to be so delicate with ladies' nylons? Well, it's just common sense. I'm a technical kind of guy, you know. Um, The ivory, ivory flakes was the item of choice for dainties and women's stockings. But I don't know why that was different from other soap. Hmm? I don't know why ivory flakes was so, was the the item of choice. It was the Cadillac of soaps to use for dainties. But I don't know why. Don't you mean Lux, not ivory? No, ivory flakes. Oh, well, I never heard of that, but I sure do hear about Lux because of Lux Radio Theater, and they're all saying that that's the Cadillac. <laughs> I guess everybody who owns, who manufactures something can say it's Here's the Cadillac. Here's what I believe, though, about that soap, and I, I, I just picture it being similar for for the Ivory too. then. I didn't even hear know about Ivory Flakes, um, but... If you're washing something delicate like that in there, like nylon, and you go to to rinse it off, there's going to be a very small residue of that soap on there, and it's going to act as a lubricant. Now, those little nylon threads slipping on each other instead of just grabbing onto each other and getting stretched and experiencing you know, higher amounts of force in local areas, you know, rather than an area all stretching, it's just going to, it's going to last longer. Something slipping on itself is better than something grating on itself. Do you follow? Uh-huh. I do, and I'm listening to you and reading at the same time and hoping okay. Okay. that my brain doesn't have an <laughs> explosion. Um, the term petroleum solvent, so we're talking about naphtha here, and it's kind of an oldish chemistry book, describes the liquid hydrocarbon fractions obtained from petroleum and used in industrial processes and formulations. These fractions are also referred to naphtha or as industrial naphtha. By definition, the solvents obtained from the petroleum industry, such as alcohols, ethers, and the like, are not included in this chapter. Oh, dear. Okay. I don't care what's not in the chapter. Um, Petroleum solvents. Naphtha is often referred to as NAPH, N-A-F as in Frank T. The older literature distilled has been available since the early days of the petroleum industry. Um, composition, what we want is uses. 
properties and uses. Generally, naphtha is valuable as a solvent because it's of its good dissolving power. The range of naphtha available, paraffin, solvent for paints. Oh, good grief. They use it in paints. No wonder it'll take your skin off. Oh, petroleum. I probably should look up for soap. Let's see, soap. You know, they mentioned all the different hydrocarbon distillates. I'm no expert by any means. I only am telling you what I've learned from uh, two conversations. The second one only kind of solidified what I was told by a, a first guy was a hazards control technician who actually worked at some refinery, and we were talking about solvents as he was trying to explore what can possibly be causing me all of my respiratory illnesses and problems I was having, trying to find out if it was work-related. And he told me, oh, you will hear this Rio Grande cracked gasoline, okay? On, uh, I don't maybe it's on the Whistler, I'm not sure. But you will hear that sometimes, you recall that? Mm-hmm. Let Joy, I remember on Let Joy Do It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Rio, Rio Grande cracked, okay. Mm-hmm. That cracking refers to, and I don't know what, what if they're like uh, simmering the the oil down there to do this as they refine it, or if it's a certain stage way down the road, but they have this big, tall tank, and as these distillates are being broken down, um, they evaporate, they, they and at the different levels of the of the height in this tank, they they tap off all of these various different distillates. Follow me. Mm-hmm. Maybe gasoline is way at the top. I don't know, but the, you know, naphtha is going to be somewhere. Um, kerosene, so all these different things, diesel, all all these different things are at different, well, of course, I guess the, the more volatile, evaporative things are going to be higher up, I guess. Makes sense. So someday, if, if anybody else is still awake and they know more about this at me and could explain it in a layman's term that we could all understand, that would be great. Well, what I've come up with so far for your soap is that it will tear the skin right off your body, which is exactly what you have said it will do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because as I'm rubbing it on there, and it's actually a braiding which I'm all for because you get these little, 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 teeny little bumps that are that got that oil in you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I want it to burn the heck out of it. You know, I'm, I'm yeah, typical guy, overkill kind of a thing, but that was my formulation, and it worked. It reduced the, the, the term, the length of suffering with the poison oak way, 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 way down. Yeah. Even one of the sites said... It's used for pre-treating stains on clothing and as a home remedy for poison ivy and other skin problems. So you were right on target with it. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember who told me that because I don't recall using it when I was younger. I mean, I used all the Caladrill and Zero Drill and all that stuff. Calamine. Yeah, and you're right. That, that uh, generally left you painted. I think Zero Drill was clearer. Yeah. But but none of them just help it to go away like that. Well, as you say, the irritant in the soap took off the surface layer of the skin, which got to the cause as opposed to temporarily kind of anesthetizing the nerves so that it didn't itch as much, didn't do anything for the poison oak. It just made you help feel a little bit better. All right. Fells naphtha soap has been used for over a hundred years for the treatment and prevention of poison ivy sumac and poison oak rash. How about that? Well, over See, you are years. a pathfinder here. Do uh, you have any way of telling if that's actually like new print or was that written years ago, so it's way more than a hundred years? Well, it says it's been used for a hundred years for the prevention of poison ivy. Um, prevention mean, and, that, and treatment it, and prevention. Are you reading it from new information, or could it possibly be old? So it's, you know, like written in 1980, say, and it's been 103 it's, years. It's, it, no, it's written more recently because it's uh, the title of the location is called Soaps Gone By, and it looks like you can buy them through this particular site, Phil's Naphtha. It works especially well on oil-based stains. Just rub the stain. Um, let's set. It works great on baby clothes. Let's see what else we got here. <laughs> All right, we have we have covered everything from poison oak to jockey shorts. I think this has been a really good show. <laughs> All right. It just dawned on me one more thing here about that poison oak. Um, when I was driving a bulldozer, one one thing, and I my the home ranch for this bulldozer was a millionaire's ranch um, in Carmel Valley, California, and oftentimes I would thin out the, these hilltops of the ranch that were covered in brush, and often. Um, overpopulated with oak trees. Um, it was basically improvements to the ranch for cattle, even though it wasn't a big-time serious cattle operation. It was more, more or less a write-off for this millionaire. Um, so poison oak, if I'm going to remove an oak tree, um, well, even though I'm just cleaning up brush, Poison oak would be growing all around the bases of these oak trees and up into the oak trees. And so I would come up to the base of the oak tree, push the blade down in the ground, and drive backwards, pulling, stripping the, the poison oak out of the oak tree. And, of course, that's got all of this stuff airborne coming down on me and all. And... Um, my friend who I'd lived with down there had been working on this ranch throughout high school. And what he did, uh, he, he would work with the Mexicans, and he was a guy who cut up the oak trees. And he was actually like the 
caretaker on the ranch. And he was my age, and I, I moved down there when I was 18. I uh, was there for two years. And he would, when he came across these huge specimens of poison oak, and I've never seen anything as large as this, he would cut it off with his chainsaw, and he would push it onto his blue jeans, and the oil from poison oak would make this big ring of a stain. And he had quite a, quite an example of like two inches and plus diameter of these rings on his blue jeans. I, I don't think I ever had some as large as he was. You know, he's been there a lot of years and it's, it's, it's exposed him much more of it. And that's pretty wild. But that's something that most people wouldn't even think about doing. But you, when you're in it and about it as much as you, as we were, you know, sticking it on your pant leg, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a wise thing to do because actually you can get transferred onto other items. Like you don't ever want to climb in your sleeping bag with the clothes you were wearing when you're out camping and hiking like that because you won't put the oil into your sleeping bag, and then from then on, you can get poison oak each time you sleep in that sleeping bag. You are toast. You are yeah. so right. Well, this site has a mountain of information about naphtha and Fells naphtha. So it's, you know, it, just, it makes me a little nervous, but... You know, then I go back and say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. When I look at something about taking a shower with Fels naphtha and rubbing it against the affected skin, like with poison ivy and poison oak, and then the next one on the list is how to clean paintbrushes with it. With Fels naphtha? Yeah. And you're nervous because of it being a solvent, right? That's because of a solvent, yes. Yeah, and, and what, when I was using that, and I had no clue about that. We didn't have the Internet, you know. No, and, I mean, how, how else? I mean, even with the Internet, how would you know? Why would you go out and look for the ingredients? It says, and you can spray acids on your roses with it, too. Um, it says, in recent years... Soap manufacturers have added degreasers and antibacterial ingredients to their product. This is a very harmful to your plants and will likely burn or kill them. When a home gardening technique calls for liquid dish soap, be very careful that you use only ivory or Fells naphtha solution. This is dish soap. So I guess it comes in two ways. You've got the bar soap that you use to treat the poison ivy and poison oak, and then it's got a solution like for dishes, I guess. Use the original lemon liquid type detergent. It is a detergent. It's liquid detergent. So you can. it comes in two ways. So you bar stick with the bar. Ivory. Hang in there. Hmm? Stick, stick with the bar and for... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, don't make a solution out of it. I don't know. Just but just said, make sure it doesn't have... only ivory or fells naphtha. Ivory That's dish what... soap. You didn't just read that? No, it, it says uh, if you're going to spray this stuff on your plants, 
um, let's see, for black fungus on roses, um, it says shave some Fells naphtha into a nylon stocking, into a gallon of water, and put in liquid dish soap. Ivory, they recommend. Oh, oh, oh and, okay. And you, Use so only ivory down. and Fells naphtha. Yeah, you, you mix you mix the two of them and a whole bunch of other stuff like vegetable oil and water and spray as needed. But then there's a, a caution. <coughs> Excuse me. If you use a soap or a liquid like ivory, if it's added degreases and antibacterial ingredients, it will hurt your plants. So don't use it on your plants. But it doesn't say anything about poison ivy. You just... Hang in there. You're doing the right thing. Huh. Now, did you say that they said to put the Feldsnapsa bar into a nylon? No, it, it says it, for, for black spot fungus on your roses. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says make a Feldsnapsa solution by shaving one inch of Feldsnapsa bar into a nylon stocking. Place that into a gallon of boiling water along with four ounces of dish soap, and they recommend ivory. It says this will keep nicely, and you can use it as needed. It will have a gel-like consistency, so mix it well before using. For the black spot fungus, I've never, I don't know what black spot, I guess that's on the leaves. Black spot fungus, mix one tablespoon of baking soda, one tablespoon of vegetable oil, one table of Phil's naphtha solution that you have just made and put it in a gallon of water and then use a spray squishy to do your uh, well, do your leaves. You have roses? We know now about naphtha. I wouldn't be boiling that indoors. I don't think so. You I mean, I know I'm, I was bathing in it, but I think I would be more concerned about breathing those vapors because that solvent's going to come out of there pretty quick. Yeah, it's with, with the heat, yeah, because you use it in hot water. doesn't say anything about cautions here, though. So I guess what is... Let's see. Did you know Fells Naphtha makes a great tanning, a leather tanning solution? <laughs> the more I read about, it. the more I read about this, the more I realize. Uh, let's see. It's much safer right. than almost what any other solvent. Hmm. What does it say about um, tanning? About tanning. Uh, it says it's much. It's much safer than almost any other method of tanning. 1980, a friend and I tanned 30 deer hides, some for leather and some for some with the hair for rugs, with a great deal of success. The hides with the hair still retain their hair to this day. They used one bar per gallon of liquid. We reduced it. Uh, um, I had a bug crawling on my screen. Hold on. Now Florida gets bugs. Um, it was a little flying bug, but I got them. Um, we reduced the bars to shavings first. So they shaved it right down. Over low heat in an iron kettle over a campfire, then allowed it to cool. So let's see, a bar, a, a gallon of liquid, so I'm gathering it's water, yeah? Use one bar per gallon of liquid. 
we reduced the bars to shavings first over a low heat. We did that in a cast iron kettle, then allowed it to cool. They gave you the instructions backwards. They said, here's how to make the liquid, but first they said, use it in the liquid. Okay, it turns into a runny gel. Then the hides need to be fully immersed for one to two months, depending on ambient temperature. And it doesn't give really highly specific instructions, but it says you can do it. Well, the, that I, I would have thought that the hair would dissolve or separate out of it, but it stayed. I and mean, he's not distinguishing between hair on and hair off, huh? Well, it says to this day, let's see. Yeah, it did. Um, they tanned some for leather and some with the hair on for rugs with great success. The hides with the hair still retain the hair to this day. Now, this was in 1980 they did this. And right this when I was needed copied. to do it myself. I had this beautiful um, mule deer hide from the winter, and it was the thickest hide I've ever you know, come across, and I did all the work of stretching it out, you know, nailing it down on plywood, salting mm -hmm. it, and then later uh, putting some mineral oil on it, and um, I just didn't send it anywhere to have it tanned. Now, I did know that you, you can um, use oak bark Oak bark and um, ashes from a fire, if I'm remembering it correctly. Because um, my friend did that, but I didn't see the result of it. So I don't know if he actually yeah. fully made a finished product with it or not. But I think in that way the hair comes off. And I wanted this hair on. However, you know, if I would have known about the Fells Napta, way I would have even you know done it with wild boar hides you know with the hair off because they're unless I was doing some kind of joke thing with it or something yeah or, I had um I didn't have as much time as I wanted today I had some running around to do when I got back I tried quickly to find recipes for pioneer soap how they made pioneer uh, soap with lard and with lye and in the lie, they started with ashes. So maybe you created a lie, a lie type solution by using wood ashes. So there hmm. you go. So that that, that might the, have been it. And um, as I say, I tannin. didn't go back. Tannin is in tan bark. Uh, the tan tannin is what's in the, the oak bark. And I use that to to smoke. Um, that's what really got me excited about wild boar hunting, at least as far as the eating part of it goes. Uh, was I just had was barbecuing some, and there was right next to the wood pile, and my friend suggested putting oak bark in there, and I did with just a piece of tin foil over this little roast I had, and wow. Um, it was great. Uh, you can, however, overdo it and it becomes way overpowering. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of power in that, in that open. Yeah, yeah, you really have to be careful. Well, this site also will give you catfish bait. Do you go catfish fishing? Yeah, I don't fish that often, but yes. Uh, you do? What? 
For catfish? Do you eat catfish? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I'm, I meant you personally. It's a big item down here. Oh, yeah, big time. In fact, I was just thinking the other day uh, um, that we need to take our girls to, you know, even my boys, to this, um, I think they call it the catfish house. And our Creole population is very strong in the Louisiana Bayou areas. So I'm surprised yeah. at what you're telling me, too. How about that? Well, I would you like me to bookmark this site so we have this information to go back to? It's got make-your-own-detergent kits, recipes and tips, soaps, cleaners, sponges. Sure. And stuff like that. I think you would have there. to say about turpentine because I um, use that... Uh, my, in my same days, uh, just out of high school, and I had burned my index finger, and it was pretty bad. And I, not knowing all all about all various cures, and not knowing just how aggressive hydrogen peroxide was, I was using that on it, and it kept eroding it, and it was getting deeper and deeper. And I thought, my gosh, I'm about to see the bone. You know, and uh, my uncle, who was, he's probably in his early 80s at the time, um, he told me, and this is, this is, he's, this is my rancher uncle, and his family homesteaded the Burda Ranch there in Carmel Valley, one of the last working ranches at the time. Uh, he told me, well, he says, we use turpentine sometimes, you know, wounds present infection or treat it and so I I felt really desperate at the time and I, I didn't think that I wanted to go to the hospital though that would have been a smart thing to do uh, so I, I got some kind of container where I could stick uh, my it was uh, in between the last two knuckles you know right before the hand there and I soaked it in turpentine and it hurt you know it came on slowly and it hurt really pretty bad and I thought well if they did it back then it must be okay you know and I don't know how many days I did that but slowly and slowly started getting better and so I can say that turpentine worked but probably what worked more was not <laughs> putting the hydrogen peroxide on it <laughs> you know when I hear and I think it's a perpetual puzzle for a lot of people. When I hear, gosh, it worked because it healed up after I did this, you have no way of judging how well it was going to heal up if you didn't do that. Yes. Now, mind you, I was in dirt and stuff all the time. so uh, You really I, needed some, yeah. And yeah. I didn't yeah. have access to the better cloth fabric Band-Aids, you know. Mm -hmm. Um like I did in my, oh, well, nowadays and in the early 80s and working as a machinist, um, that's some good stuff. Uh, so I really want to make sure it was clean every day in the end, and it just kept going away. Well, hydrogen peroxide, as I'm being told, you know, it's not something you want to use all the time. Um, it'll even start taking away some of the good stuff, you know. So. Mm. 
I did run into, I had a, a friend, an acquaintance there that um, on one long journey together, uh, he was telling me about a, a bad wound that he had on his forearm. I don't remember if what the wound was from. I don't think it was a burn, but I'm not sure if it was his mother or a grandmother that um, put honey all over this thing and wrapped it up. And, you know, and he showed me his arm and, and he told me how miraculously this thing healed up, you know, extremely well. And he was really, really, really amazed. Have you ever heard about that? No, and and my nose is kind of wrinkled because yeah. honey, of course, is a sugar base, and it sounds like it might be the perfect medium for bacteria. Feeding the bacteria, huh? Yeah, I don't know that. I but know honey. A minute we honey don't know not... about. If you probably if you get a, a search for uh, medical uses for honey. Uh, Okay, well, guess what? That movie called Shooter? Have you seen that movie called Shooter? No. Okay. You understand what you just did, Paul. What? You have a new assignment. By next week, you have to find some medical uses for honey. For honey. That's what you said. And liver. And liver. Honey and liver. Wow. There should be like a midweek thing or something where you can hear the reminders of the homework. <laughs> well, I think we can we can manage that. We can do that. Uh, okay. Email it to the well. You remember, I have short term memory. I'm gonna have to write this down. All right. Now, my it, finger right now. Honey, you, liver, and maybe cracking. Right. Give me the first two letters of the email address you want me to use. Just the first two letters. I don't want. I don't want to give it out. So, because you're remembering that I have two. Yes. Um, the A R. Okay. Um, you you that. I got it. Enough. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because uh, someday I may end up closing the other one, so I only give that to friends okay. and family. This, this one is at Yahoo. Is that correct? Yeah, they both are. Okay. So I'm sending you the page, the link to the page we just read together, okay? And it's oh. at the site. I don't know how much other information is up there, but um, we will hit send, and there it is. You will have it in your mailbox. Anything might be on that page? What we just went over, uh, you know, line by line, it's good for poison ivy, it's good for killing things. (laughs) It's good for everything, I guess. It's all, it's in that link. I So I sent you the link to that page and you can scour around the rest of the site and see if there's anything of value up there. Okay. All right. Well, we are just about ready to toss it in. So we'll talk to you next week. I heard you guys talking about underwear. Yes. Jockeys. 
Jockeys. Jockeys. It's the brand name. Right. Right. Jockey Brief. And was that a theme of the night? Oh, gosh, no. That was an ad I came across. Soap was the theme of the night, which is what we've been talking about. But when I went through this list of, you know, it might have been 200 items of print advertising that was available. One of them that I came across was for jockey shorts. And the title, they, they have the the location where it was printed, the date, the title of the ad, the product, and the title of this ad was Want a List as a question mark, Want a List, and it was for jockey shorts. And I thought for 1942, that was a pretty specific or what's the word I want, graphic ad. I, I just thought it was something that I wouldn't expect for a 1942 advertising in Life magazine. And it said, want a list? Uh-huh. L-I-F-T. Yes. Want a list? Use jockey shorts. On a list? No. Do, do you want a lift? Meaning, do you want to lift things up here? Uh, let me lift? See. I thought you were doing L-I-F. As in song T. Oh no, I should have been specific. No, it's want one a, a list. A list. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that list. is uh, uh, 1942. 1942. Yeah, it's, know, a, it's a little racier. Performance sometimes. I'm hearing some stuff there that I'm like, whoa. Uh, let me let me get to the whole thing here. I always save the locations. Aren't we fun? All right. Here we go. It has a picture of a little jockey sitting. It's not even astride. He is sitting on a dog. Why? I do not know. A jockey does not ride a dog. Yeah, a dog. Okay, um, it has jockey underwear, masculine support. The title is Want a Lift, and it says the jockey dog. Oh, dear. Let me see a larger image. I clicked the wrong place. The jockey dog is supporting his master, but then jockey underwear itself introduced the idea of support in 1934. And today, millions of active men who have experienced the comfort of jockey support will wear no other kind of underwear. They tell us that jockey helps them carry through a busy day and feel less tired. And that is the first third of this. Well, I gotta say, I've never bit, felt tired from uh, yeah, having from a your, lift. From your jockey shorts. Okay, this freedom from bulk. Freedom, freedom from, what? from freedom from bulk, bind, and creep, will, which puts an end to squirming. Yeah, All right, you'll, you will like the very, mild. It's a very real thing, and I have. You know, uh, you know, it's about as graphic as you can get in, in without being graphic. You'll you'll like the mild masculine support provided from the belt, the angled opening that will not gap, the freedom from bulk, bind, and creep, which puts an end to squirming. I didn't know guys squirmed, but I don't want to yeah. know. It's okay. 
jockey gives you a second skin fit with a birthday suit freedom of movement. You'll like the buttonless. Yeah, I know. It's 1942. Yet, Walden, are you embarrassed? No. Okay. No. You'll like the buttonless jockey's knitted fabric, too. It's cool, gives your skin a chance to breathe, is easy to launder, and needs no ironing. Who in the heck would iron shorts? I don't know. I would. I would. Well, you know, I did for a while. Um, Two-piece, varied leg length, and here we go with the over-the-knee and the long ones, which are euphemistically referred to as long johns. Um, There's another name for them. Uh, uh, they have a trap door. Union suit. Union suit, that's right. Union suit is what is advertised in Sears, the, the old Sears catalog and others. I wonder if that would be um, because of, like, Civil War days, those chest button ones that have the buttons on each side. Mm-hmm. That's right. That That's right. Yeah, I mean, you, you have, <laughs> I guess you could not have urgency when you had to unbutton that thing. Good grief. I mean, it was all one piece with a trap door. Yeah, that yeah, that one piece. You don't hurry up with something like that. Shoo, hey, I'll tell you what we did to you guys. Well, this looks pretty good. It just surprised me that we had such an interesting copy. Maybe they thought women wouldn't know what the heck you were talking about. How stupid do they think we are? We're not stupid. So, anyway, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. We are at the end of the show. Okay. Thanks for staying up as late as you have. All right, Paul. appreciate that, especially when, you know, I had to do something beforehand. You bet. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Happy Easter. Happy Easter Easter to you. Oh, by the way, my, my daughter and one of her college friends are doing the offertory song. My daughter's going to be playing the piano and singing, and her friend's going to be singing next to her, hopefully two mics, and uh, another friend from church is going to play the violin. What a lovely arrangement and a wonderful experience. So you can sit back there and just smile and say, look at this, look at this. You can be a proud papa. I did, however, sit right there with him. I even, I even uh, went and got my glasses and sang uh, through it one time with him. Great. That's great. Nice experience, good day, fabulous dinner, and excellent company. You can't yes. get better than I'll that. I'll topped off with being able to call you back a second time. <laughs> you got topped off with us. So. Really? Because, well, me, this is a high point of my week, I'm telling you. Thank you, oh, that is so nice. Thank you. Um, well, Saturday night is a high point for the two of us as well. So I guess we're all a good match. So you have yourself a wonderful day tomorrow. Happy Easter. Enjoy your family. And we'll talk to you next week. Okay. You guys, too. You, too. Bye-bye. Thanks. Good night. Bye. We made it again. We made it. I I just need to do one California thing for you. 
and I'll save the rest of it for next week, if that's okay. Oh. Um, one, what? Not okay. Are you okay with that? I'm okay. I'm okay if you're okay. I'm you know, okay. You know, we do things together. All you, right. You, are, you and I are Peter and Jam. Bread and butter. One is, one is, as long as you're happy, I'm happy. Okay. What else goes together? Tuna fish and crackers. Well, I had, I had tuna fish for dinner. Yeah. I, I mean, tuna I fish. Had, I had hamburger. Ah, good stuff. Yeah. I'm, I would have had one except my stuff is frozen. Okay. The one thing I want you to know is that more turkeys are raised in California than any other state in the United States. And I want to tell you, you have some turkeys out there. <laughs> so I thought you would appreciate knowing. I, I It didn't say anything about being the turkey capital of the world, but if you've got the most turkeys, I guess you are. It's a pretty good chance. Pretty good chance. So you raised the most turkeys out there than any other state in the union. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. I thought so, too. So we got more stuff for uh, for California. It's fun stuff. Yeah, we've got some fun stuff out there, too. So it's time for us to say good night. Wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Listen to me. Happy Easter. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy. If you go to church, attend service, observe Easter. I hope it's a very peaceful day for you as well. <sighs> good night, everybody. We'll be here next week. Good night, Walt, and I had a good time with you. Love you, Patricia. Here we go, everybody. We'll see everybody next week. And we love you all out there. We'll talk to you next. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Party's over. It's time to call it a day. They've burst your pretty balloon and taken the It's time to wind up the masquerade. Just make your mind up. The piper must be paid. The party's over. The candles flicker and dim You danced and dreamed through the night It seemed to be right Just being with him Now you must wake up All dreams must end
the party's over it's all over Hope you all doing well. This is uh, Sunday night, April the seventh, year two thousand and thirteen. I'm Long Hughes, and we got an interview feature with John Lurie and I talking to the uh, head gal who run the Mariners, the group that back up Roy Miller's orchestra. Anyway, she runs it today. After that, we'll feature an interview that I did Friday. That I guess was not heard. So we're going to run it before Michael Beal. But we'll say a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity of being here. Bless the family. The listeners. Help the poor and the needy at this time, Lord. Help our country to do right. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Here we go, everybody. Hi, John and Larry Gassman, along with Walden Hughes, and we're recording this interview on Friday evening, March 15, 2013. On the program this time, we have the pleasure of talking to Julie Dickinson, who is, of course, with the Modern Airs today. The Modern Airs have been around for a very, very long time, and uh, and she is now, in essence, running the show and making sure everything works so that a younger generation can also enjoy the Modern Airs. And before we even start talking about you and your career. Let's just say thank you for joining us and welcome. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. About 50th birthday and we just were impromptu, got up and did our Moonlight Serenade a cappella, and somebody filmed it and it's on Facebook and uh, I don't know, maybe on YouTube right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but um, that was a lovely evening. But it gives somebody an idea, of, uh, people an idea of what harmony should sound like. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wants to book your group, uh, Julie, just contact the website, right? Just drop you guys an email. Absolutely. And that'd be the best way to get hold of you guys for a booking. Sure. Does your does your booking work the same as some of the other groups who are 
who now I guess have orchestras that they don't necessarily bring for everything. You, they they go to a specific place in the United States and they grab people who happen to live there and bring them in. Is that what you do too? Uh, we have not had with this particular group we have now have not had an opportunity to travel much. Uh-huh. But uh, with the addition of Scott Whitfield, who is themodernairs.com. And you're also on Facebook? We're also on Facebook, The Modern Airs. We'll pick it right up, and I'll be happy to friend you. <laughs> That'd be great. Julie, Thank you so much, Julie. Thank we you. really appreciate your time. Oh, no problem. Anytime. Thank you so much. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye. Turned down the late and great Les Brown and John Goodwin. Welcome to Yesterday USA. Thank you very much, Walt. It's great to be on the show with you. Hey, no problem. Well, tell me about the big event you are putting together next weekend. Well, thank you very much for having me. And I, like I said, anybody that can make it tomorrow night to our show, all they have to say is the magic word, Walden. That's a scary thought. It's a very, a very <laughs> cheerful thought for me right now, <laughs> and they can get it for free, and free parking, and free food. How about that? You never know. John, hold on for a second, and I'm going to turn on to some music for everybody while John and I uh, talk, and here's a little more West Brown. Okay, well, you hope to heard that Friday live, but somehow... Our amazing system kicked in. We didn't get that. All right, let's get Michael Beal on. Jaws for Windows. Mm. Skype, stat. Let's see if we can find Michael. Selected Bill Brown, Don Rich, Echo, Fred Bird, Grace A, Imaginary, Ivan Curie, Jerry Head, John Gass, Kansas, Larry, Leaf. Dixon, Michael Beal, online, 15 of 100 is. applications. Send diet, send SM, send content, send file, send voice, share screen, invite a group call, enter, leaving menus, Michael Beal, online, unloading jaw, cancel, okay. Alright. Well, remind everybody that Spurvac will be having their convention uh, Friday, November the 15th through Sunday, November the 17th. We'll be at the Beverly Garland Hotel. Larry Jasmine's chairman and John and I are on the programming committee, so we will be releasing information pretty quickly. But that's been confirmed yesterday, so you can put that on the calendar. Uh, Friday, November the 15th through Sunday, November the 17th at the Beverly Garland Hotel in North Hollywood. And Michael will be leaving for England here the coming uh, 10 days or so. And we will be uh, talking from his home next Sunday on the 14th. And then after that, we'll get hold of him when he's in England. I've got a microphone here somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> somewhere would be helpful. There we go. There we go. Caught on something. You can tell Mike is tap dancing over there, but that's okay. Hmm. What phone is that? Oh, I guess I just pulled off. Nothing like live radio. Yeah, I'm trying to find my mic, and you're trying to hang up your phone. Hang up your phone, and 
it's very interesting. We found out uh, today, let's see if I can get the posting, that there is a record store historical association in um, yeah, record, uh, British Record Shop Archive hmm. in Britain. And they are going to be having an uh, exhibit while we're there. Timing couldn't be any better. Yeah, well, one of the things they said was that they're, they're, you know, they, they timed it to be uh, in with uh, Record Store Day, which is the Saturday that we're going to be there. Perfect. So, uh, uh, you know, and I contacted uh, them, and uh, I'm going to meet up with the uh, with the guy who's doing this uh, this website. It's it's uh, www.britishrecordshoparchive.org. Hmm. Uh, you know, all all to uh, together, British Record Shop Archive, and it's just S H O P, not S H O P P E. Uh, and let's see the uh, looking for the uh, well, let's see, it was Sundown Discount Record Centers. No, that's not the one that's going to be. Uh, yeah, this is this is it. Dobell's Record Shop Exhibit. It's going to be a Chelsea space, which is uh, in a um, uh, an art school, and it's not too far from where our hotel is. Uh, and it's starting on the uh, uh, the um, on the ninth, and it's going to go through the eighteenth of May. So it'll be fine when uh, uh, when we will be there. It's for Dobell's Record Shop, and they've got uh, a story here about it. Um, that uh, we'll see. Yeah, I'm looking for the history rather than just the story, but um, customer story. New CD release due in April with references to Dobell's as a place for the where the mods went to seek Black American music. They have a listing here of the uh, uh, of the musicians and the customers that are noted to have. Uh, to have uh, gone to the uh, shop. Um, uh, let's see. I know there is a history page uh, in addition to this. Okay, the record shop was once the center of every music lover's universe. From the, well, the, oh, this is about the uh, the organization from the beginning of the vinyl twelve inch. In the 1940s to the digital music developments of the 1990s, millions of us browsed, socialized, and bought music in our local record shop or high street department stores. Record shops were an integral part of the social fabric in local areas. They launched pop stars, record labels, and were focal points for emerging musical genres. The aim of this site is to record the history of record shops in an accessible archive to hold intrinsic details that could get lost in the mix and to celebrate the role that the record shop played. We're looking for memories uh, through stories, anecdotes, comments, photographs, videos, 
record shop bags, posters, and more. For example, what was your first record and where did you buy it? Um, let's go back to the uh, exhibit uh, page, The Sound of Dobells. Uh, it was on Charing Cross Road in London, which, uh, well, they also have t another 24 Tower Street and 10 Rathbone Place, W1. Uh, the uh, Charing Cross Road is where, uh, we were talking about this last week, where a lot of bookshops still are. Right. The bookshops haven't closed down. The electronic shops on Tottenham Court Road, which is the uh, which extends from Charing Cross Road, a lot of those have uh, sh shut down. Uh, this is a customer story from Richard Antill. I first went to Dobell's looking for rock and roll records in 1959. However, fruitless that was. Uh, yeah, it, it said that this is a jazz shop. I moved to London in 1963 to work at Canby Hall in Hammersmith and then on to hotels in the West. My father was a fashion photographer and jazz fan. Whilst with him, we visited Dobell's basement and was introduced to John Kendall with... Um, with when I had, well, that's what it says, <laughs> with who I think is what he meant, with who I had an immediate rapport and gained his respect for the type of material I wanted to own. I still, I soon returned to the shop on a regular basis before and after work, shifts and hotels. Nearly every day we became good pals, drinking and having the same passions, enjoying the same music. I couldn't help meeting all the staff and dug the bell and was soon on the first-name terms with all. Ray Bolden, Blue Shop, Brian Peerless, Jazz Shop, Don Solash, Jazz Shop, Doug's son-in-law, Bill Collier, Jazz Shop, Mail Order, um, George Tyler, Jazz Shop, all using the Bells as their social base, which shimmied down, or shimmied from the shop to the two brewers on Monmouth Street and Cottage Club key club for dancing for drinkers rather. <laughs> it was a regular clientele of British musicians who would be around the shop networking and enjoying the latest releases and this is where he has a list of people um, in 1972 Doug arranged for a trip for 10 jazzers to go to New York for the Newport and New York Festival. What a week of jazz. We also visited Sam Goody's, where we met up with John and Ray, contemporaries in the New York, uh, Harry Lim and John Alterton, the stories from New York could fill a book. Well, that's what we're trying to do here in the States, as a matter of fact. Um, by 1972, I had my own business in the south of England, but every Monday, my day off, I traveled to town to catch up with Doug, John, etc. Remain close friends till they one by one passed on. John, hopelessly overtaken by alcohol, I saw him in the last week of his life, lying in a fetal position, caring for nothing. How I cried, I miss so his humor, knowledge, and friendship. Uh, to sum it up for me, I wouldn't have had the friendships of a dozen plus pals 
with the same interest in jazz who turned me on to the likes of George Orwell, Buster Keaton, W.C. Fields, P.G. Woodhouse, Jack Kerouac, and just a multitude of music. Ellington, Herman, Basie, Henderson, Moten, Armstrong, Holiday. Most of those only names to me when I left schools. My whole education and love of music all stems from the days of helping out at Dobell's and mingling with the Dobell's alumni. We can see there's anything else. I'm sure I saw something that listed when the store opened and when it closed. Okay, well, it says yeah, it opened in 1946 and closed in 1992, and there's a photograph of it. It says Dobell's Folk Record Shop rather than jazz. Uh, so let's see. Dobell's Jazz and Folk Record Shop in London's Charing Crossroad was an important part of port of call for musicians, including Muddy Waters, B.B. King, Tubby Hayes, and the Rolling Stones. Bob Dylan even recorded in a small studio there. This show, comprising of archive artifacts, ephemera, and graphics, explores Dobell's position as a retail environment, a seminary of information, cultural landmark, and social hub. Uh, let me get back to the home page because there's a some information here about some other shops. Okay, news and can you help? I think that's where it was. Yeah, somebody posted, and I've seen this elsewhere, in a ad from a Gramophone magazine that shows um, the HMV shop uh, in Oxford Street. And it says, you know, from Gramophone magazine, and I this doesn't have the date. I've seen the date elsewhere. It says the world's largest record store. Everybody says that they were the world's largest record store. Sam Goody's used to. Uh, Rose Records in Chicago used to. Uh, to dig this jazz service. Huge stocks from the available catalogs. Every new release. Specialist items and independent labels. The pick of the importations. Wine range on 45 singles. We have everything from Oliver to Monk and Coltrane. And all points further out. This is probably not from Gramophone magazine. This must be from a jazz magazine. But I've seen a similar ad to this from the Gramophone. I'll have to find that and and read. I didn't read all of the uh, the copy on that one. Top facilities, separate display sections for all types of jazz and blues. 37 browser boxes, 12 audition rooms, 26 listening booths, hi-fi playing equipment, expert advice on all aspects of jazz records, and uh, 363 Oxford Street. I don't think that's the current location. Now, 
And uh, the person that posted this thing says, I have the answer to HMV's woes. Make a history museum center in the Oxford Street branch. If it looked like this again, I, for one, would hang out there a lot and buy stuff. And there's some videos here of some uh, some shops and um, a display of record sleeves. Oh, and it's funny. I, I was going through the garage trying to find something, and I found where I had stashed my sleeve collection, three big cartons. I had not remembered where they were. Because when I was starting to do the uh, the thing on sleeves that I was thinking of doing last year, I only found one box, a small box, in the main part of the basement. I know I had more than that. And, uh, you know, sure enough, I did. I had three large boxes, like, uh, uh, you know, two feet, uh, two feet deep of, uh, of sleeves. Um. Yeah, here, yeah, okay, this is about another store. Hudson's Records, based in Chesterfield, says goodbye. Record Collector Weekly Newsletter. Let me see if I can make the typeface a little larger. Yeah. A busy week despite it being the low period. It lurks between the sending of the next issue of the magazine to the printer and its arrival at R.C.'s Cozy Cottage Villa Vinyl. Up the Record Collector Weekly Newsletter. I have to find out about this. And they claim would lower the tone of the area. After the 400th special edition, we knew we had to make 401 a biggie. And we have. There's a three-in-one Beatles story, the main part of which finally nails, which is the rarest of the Please Please Me album pressings once and for all. And it may not be the one you think it is. This has been a bone of contention among collectors for years. And even if you are not interested in the album itself, the extensive and thorough research commissioned by the Rare Record Price Guide 2014 reveals a lot about the manufacturing process for vinyl in the 60s and why there are some albums where the stamper numbers don't tally up. Having seen a lot of records advertised on eBay as first press A1B1, it has always been clear that it is never quite so simple. This fascinating story will tell you why. I can tell you what the answer probably is, is that they, uh, you know, on a big hit, they were uh, using multiple stampers, you know, simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, for those not of mop-top inclinations, there is a major feature on one of the most exciting Punk bands, Cockney Rejects. No, I'm not that interested in that. <laughs> Apart from dodging the rain, what else has been happening? We have had one of Nirvana drop into the office. So I'm dead right. to reader Michael McPartland, who reminded me of a perfect place I haunted in my youth, Vintage Record Center of Roman Way, North London. It's present in the recordshoparchive.org website. Uh, latest news. Yeah, they're showing. They're, they're showing. There, there are some pictures here of of some different shops. 
I know somewhere, let's see, Berkshire, mystery shop traded for only a few months around 75, 76, across the River Thames in Caversham. It was on the corner of Gosbrook Road and Wolsey Street and was owned or run by a man, I think, named John Eddy. Stock was all deletions. Can you name can you name that shop? I can name that shop in three <laughs> in three notes. <laughs> uh, let's see. The second hand let's see. The second hand record shop just up from the brewer was simply called Mary's, a second hand emporium of dreams in the mid eighties. Thousands of records, all priced reasonably, and not record dealer prices. Many singles were a pound, and albums from three to five pounds. Uh, it was a shop called Bargain Records at 245 Portobello Road. Also a small shop called Centerpoint Records in the 70s. Charing Cross Road was also Target Records in Brewer Street, Soho. Um, so this is, you know, I, you know I, I wrote to them saying this is something that we have been interested in, uh, you know, here in the States, that the... Um, we, we've had several sessions of the New York ARSC of shops owned by scoundrels. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I mentioned a little bit about this a few, you know, last year that uh, th there was um, one guy who uh, was notable for um, classical uh uh, bootlegs using the proper terminology of bootleg, uh, you know, meaning uh, your know, recording that was not, uh, you know, meant to be made, mm -hmm. you know, you know, rather than uh, you know, pirate, which is a, um, uh, you know, a, an unauthorized copy of a, um, you know, a, of an actual issued record. Or counterfeit, which is a unauthorized copy of a, of an issued record meant to look like the issued record. Uh, you know, a bootleg is when you know something like a concert recording or or release of outtakes. Again, things that were not meant to have actually uh, been released, and uh, he would have a you know a string of recording experts that would attend operas and concerts at Carnegie Hall with, in some cases, very elaborate recording equipment. Some of it was described that they would have under their coats and, and microphones attached to their glasses to get stereo. Mm. <laughs> and the, uh, um, uh, you, know, the, you know, they would have uh, them cut and pressed and you know, like four or five days after the concert, there you know there would be copies of it, and if you wanted to, uh, you know, to you know, to make sure that he was going to have a certain concert recorded, there you know you could ask him ahead of time, and he would you know 
in a sense, do special orders <laughs> mm-hmm. and make sure that somebody, you know, one of his people would be uh, would be recording it. Um, and sometimes the performers came in looking purposefully for their, uh, you know, for their stuff, uh, which along those lines, uh, the um, third years, the, the third season of Michael Feinstein's uh, American Songbook uh, is starting on PBS uh, this week. And there were the, just three episodes and the, and national PBS uh, on Playground is warm shoes and two o'clock in the morning here. Uh, in Costa Mesa. Hope you're all doing well. What's your prayer? Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity and being here. Thank you for this wonderful day of Easter. Thank you for our friends and our family. Thank you for rising from the dead. To give us all new life and hope. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So please stand by, we'll get to you really soon. I'm gonna get Patricia back on. What happened to my music? Come on. I am Alexander the Swoop, and I'm so confused. Jaws for windows is ready. All stage time. Escape. Leaving the new car. First stage. Select the fill flag. Patricia Oka. Patricia News. Both page up. Page up. Jimmy Logan. Online. Page up. Page up. All change. Fill flag. Online. Imaginary. Jerry Edmund. Jimmy Logan. Kansas T. Michael T. Bowling. Threats. Club. Tim Bowling. Plus one spot. Fill up. Cynthia. Dennis R. Frank Rest. Jeff Silk. Jim Taylor. KAC. Carolyn Rock. Carolyn. Patricia Newitt, phone number 22, applications, send SMS, invite the group call, enter leaving menus, Patricia Newitt, phone number, unloading job, okay button. My baby came home. Hooray, I thought a hunk they might be up there. Oh, well the one guy never comes home at night, but this little guy, hmm, where has he been? Well, he's going to have to talk to his mama. Yeah, his wings are just kind of flopped out there like he's exhausted. Well, he, you know, spending all night. I know, you know, I know. He thinks he's big, and he's not. He's just a little kid. You know, you know. Maybe he's learning about the birds and the bees. I don't know. <laughs> he is the bird. <laughs> <laughs> all he has to learn about is the bees. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We're yeah. we're here, everybody. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. I know Patricia and I want to wish everybody a wonderful, happy Easter today, and hope you're going to have something you like to do, and stuff like that there. And stuff like that there. This is, I'm so happy my bird is home. 
I was worried about him. I know you were. You know, I mean, it's nice that he's grown up enough that he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't need to be in his nest all the time. Yeah. But it's the first time he wasn't, so I was concerned. I know. Hello there, you on here. How you doing, guys? This is Paul. Hey, Paul. Hi. Hey, dinner was great. I'm glad. I'm glad. So over the big topic of conversation, ain't that the dinner table? Well, everybody was oohing and on over the food, I gotta say. My wife outdid herself again. She did um, boneless well, fried boneless chicken thighs, mashed potatoes and homemade gravy, fresh green beans, really nice thin ones. Perfect. And uh, oh, corn on the cob. It was that was frozen. I never had frozen corn on the cob, but it was very sweet. Just a little wrinkly looking, you know, but it was <laughs> really excellent. Probably you can buy them in bags, I guess, and just they, and they froze them. I guess I don't know. Yeah, it must look. Uh, I think they I think they blanch it first and then freeze it. I'm just remembering back to childhood. Uh huh. Uh, how Marvin said um, his wife used to freeze the corn um, that he grew. She blanched it, and then she cut it off to the cob with a knife and froze it. There is nothing better at freshly picked sweet corn. I mean, I gone in the field and strip them down and take them yeah, home, like, and it, 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 there's nothing better than that. Yeah, eat it right then, huh? Yeah. 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 Strawberries, too. Oh, yeah. Strawberries, That's too. Now, Patricia is claiming that this year the Florida strawberries have California strawberries beat. It's, still, it's the truth. It's the truth, huh? It's the truth. Florida yeah. has California beat? She said that the Florida strawberries are better than the California strawberries this year. Well, I don't know. Now, I just had my first strawberries this last week. Yeah. And um, they weren't as sweet as they're going to be, you know. Hasn't been that warm that long. Uh, well, maybe we Californians are keeping our good ones and not shipping the good ones back to Florida, Patricia. Mm -hmm. um, well, I haven't tasted Californian strawberries this year. Your crop isn't, it, ours comes in earlier than yours. Okay. But what we've got growing here... It's pretty good stuff. We have them just up my road, one mile. I like strawberries on vanilla ice cream. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah, you can't beat that. No. Nope. Oh, man. Nope. Strawberry pie, not bad. Strawberry shortcake. <laughs> Anything strawberry. Strawberries with your sugar on it. Strawberries. Strawberries. Just strawberries, strawberries. You know, I think strawberries with whipped cream is, but well, no. Yes, you know, yeah, strawberries with whipped cream would probably be very good. But you think about it, you don't think of strawberry juice being a, a really a big seller. I've never heard of it. But you know, it's like you know, you can buy apple juice and pineapple juice and yeah, and grape juice and and they put. Fruit juices together, they put, mm -hmm. I don't know what they put in cranberry juice, cran apple, and other stuff. But you're right, I don't remember seeing strawberry in 
combination with other things. I like grapefruit, but grapefruit juice can be a little bit too strong. Yeah, it's For, pretty strong. It's really, really strong. Do you yeah. put sugar or a sweetener on your grapefruit when you eat it? Uh-huh. Well, you don't get that in grapefruit juice. So. That's true, but I, I can eat it plain, but you know, most of the time, when I grew up with a little sugar on it, but now I think we just pop it open and away I go. Yeah. You know. It depends on how fresh it is, too. You know, if it's ripe, if it's ripe from the tree... It's got its natural sweetness, but if they picked it early and just let it get some color sitting off in the corner somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have the sweetness. Nothing like vine or tree ripened. No, I agree. I agree. You know what else but my strawberries. Well, else? My, my had, strawberries this year are good. I had two PBJ sandwiches this week and a bowl of strawberries next to it, and I used the strawberries to lubricate the peanut butter and jelly. And it tasted great. And so I thought, well, you know what? You use strawberry jam with peanut butter and jelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I pictured myself even slapping some peanut butter on it, but I didn't do it because I already had the sandwiches. But that was good. I bet you of all the jellies and jams out there, strawberries got to be number one. They're good. Or raspberry. Berry. I love raspberry. Yes. Or boysenberry. I do too. Boysenberry. I don't, I don't think I've ever had boysenberry. I know not very farming. Boysenberries and raspberries. He sold raspberries like crazy. That was his uh, income besides whatever he maybe had from some other things that he didn't know about. Great. So if I had to buy strawberry mm-hmm. or Raspberry jam. I would pick the raspberry. I don't know if I I've could. ever had raspberry. I've you know boysenberry jam. Maybe as you pointed out, but maybe that's a California thing. I don't know. I don't know. I've never had it. I've never looked for it. Does it have a taste that's similar to another fruit or berry? What do you think, Paul? Like blackberries. Like a blackberry. Uh-huh. Okay. Got a little bit of a, a, got a little bite to it. There was longer. You are you getting um, Logan Berry maybe from Knott's Berry Farm? Mm-hmm. That's where Joe we get. Cause, you know I live so close to uh, Knott's Berry Farm here. That's know. what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're. I don't know that I've seen Logan Berries for sale in the stores ever myself, so I think you're kind of getting a specialty. Uh, uh, hey, that's why we Southern California are very special people. Yep. <laughs> Nuts Berry Farms. I've been there. Patricia, they can feed 1,000 people for chicken dinner in the Nuts Berry Farm restaurant. 1,000? 1,000. They can sit down at one time. Kurt wasn't one of them. I know. One thousand yeah. at one time. At, oh, this is all sit down yeah, at the same sit down, time. Sit down at the same time. They can feed one thousand at a shot. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! They they have got to pay their short order cooks premium prices. It's pretty much all chicken, all fried chicken. Cause that's what Knoxbury Farm's known for. Yeah, it's a fried chicken dinner. Hey, what is this clicking sound that I'm hearing? It's kind of like you're talking on a CB, and every time you let off the mic, there's a little click.
quick. Well, let's see. Is that better? Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. I might have my CD player rolling. So, and you would have heard that because you're in my left channel. But you, now if you don't hear it, then I've killed a CD. It's every time that you stop talking. I hear something, too. Um, What's this let me Let me check and see what the sound is. It's a... There. Yeah, it, sometime, sometime it's from, like, you call it phones. Because every phone is different. Because around the country, everybody's phone calls they make come through a different passage. And a lot of it comes through the North Pole. And some phone qualities are not as good as others. And generally, that's what a lot of people will hear in the background is the quality of their phone. Okay, well, my phone's not different that I talk to you guys on, and I'm hearing it when you're done talking. Well, I can hear it from you when you're talking, though. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And see, because I'm I'm wearing headsets, I hear people's phone calls better than anybody because I'm hearing all the uh, shortcomings in a phone call, which you never, <laughs> which you don't ever hear when you just put the phone to your ear, but. Ever since I've worn a headset, I can hear the, you know, the shortcomings of a phone call sometimes. Mm. I just checked right. iTunes, and I can't hear it on iTunes. Mm -hmm. And I can't hear it listening to the two of you talk. You can't hear it when we're talking? I, I cannot hear it. Correct. Oh. Okay. It's special. You guys have a thing going. Yeah, I know. I know. It must be the, uh, the the system between you and I right. Right, right now. Right. Okay. Yep. And that's what happens sometimes. You, are you well, calling me on a land? Are you you calling me from a cordless phone, right? Right, my cell phone. Yeah, and sometimes I, I always do. Yeah, sometimes cell phones qualities are not quite the same right. as a landline, and we get a most most of our calls I think are short or. Or your cell phone. So, you never know. Okay. Yep. Now, when I hung up, the, f the first time I called, I heard you guys uh, talking about soap. Correct. Soap. What kind of soap did your mom make you use when you were a kid? Well, she didn't make us. It's just what they bought. And well, that was, we used a variety. We uh -huh. used ivory. Uh, dial. Mm, I don't. I know. I know. I've used that Irish Spring sometime, but it wasn't. I'm not even sure if it was at my house or not. And if it was, we definitely didn't buy it all the time. It probably was just maybe a curiosity thing or something like that. Uh, but that's the one with the commercial with Irish people dancing. Yeah, and was I, that, I like, like it too. It wasn't that like green wrapping paper. I'm trying to remember what. The soap had green and white yeah, swirls, okay. like. Yeah. Yeah. You, you remember seeing it when uh -huh. you were younger, huh? Yep, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking I remember more the TV commercials. Uh huh. First saw it when I was back in Nebraska. Okay. Oh, then it dawned on me too. Um. Uh, I don't remember where I learned this trick, but there's a bar soap called Fells Napsa, 
that That's I what, believe yeah. that you use for uh, clothes? That, Walden was talking about a brick of soap earlier, and I didn't think it was Fells Naphtha, and Walden, you were absolutely correct. Yeah. You and, it, you and Paul are talking about the, the same bathroom, thing. bathroom, really. I think it's for uh, scrubbing clothes, but the, I use it for whenever I was out hunting or, and I, you know, went through areas where I figured, you know, I, I've been through. Yeah, it, it never lasted, right? Hmm? It, it never lasts. It never lasts on you. You don't. Not really. You know. I mean, you have to work to put a bunch on you. This is this is what I do. I use it to prevent poison oak, mm -hmm. and I use it when I had poison oak. I mean, this, and it, it, it had a brown look to it, right? If I remember right, then yeah, then the brown, brownish green. Yeah. Yes, and uh, a different smell, and the paper was uh, like white with printing on it, like shells, naphtha, all over it or something. I actually have a bar uh, that's survived in the back of my um, sink underneath in the cabinet, <laughs> left over from, from my days in the early the, 80s. The stuff, if it, I remember, was as hard as a brick to begin with, yes, so it keeping it isn't going to do any damage at all. I don't think it had any moisture to evaporate. Correct. What about evaporate? I said it was so hard that it probably didn't have any moisture to evaporate and get any harder. So what you see is what you had in the beginning. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, and I think, I think it's got lye in it. And if I had poison oak, uh, I get in the shower and I... Like you say, it doesn't really lather that much, but I will, I will, you know, scrub up with it with the water running all over. And you know, they usually say don't use hot water on poison oak, but this is this is Paul's own system. I would use hot water, and I would I would scrub every inch of me all over with that stuff, and. Um, then I would turn the water off, and I would scrub it all over to where there was definitely a good film of it all over, and I would stand there for like five minutes, and it starts to burn. It's that strong. And then after five minutes or so, then I would then I would rinse that off and I had to get out. And when you dry yourself off and you're finally actually 100% dry, your skin is actually tight. <laughs> So I wouldn't recommend it for girls that are, you know, looking for their, their, their beauty skin thing. But I've had poison oak really bad through the years. And, um, but when I was just out of high school and uh, was driving my uncle's bulldozer, uh, and I was in it all the time, I got it so much that eventually I really stopped getting bad breakouts of it and would only, you know, have... Uh, very mild, you know, proof that I was definitely exposed to it. But then all the many years later, without being in it all the time, uh, I, I developed the ability to get it really bad. I guess that stuff could take off paint. It is so rough. Yeah, you know, it does have a greedy feel to it. Yeah. 
a literal gritty feel. It does. It's, it's not one of those type of bars you're going to sweep out of your hand. <laughs> no. no. It's not. No. And anytime you apply it on something, it's deliberate. Yeah. 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 And do you know, I think it is for, for clothes. Uh, oh, let me see. I, I found some information. Lux. Go ahead, pictures. <clears throat> let me see. So, snap, stop. <laughs> Napsa has a, a familiar sound to it. I wonder what Napsa is. Oh, I think it's um, some kind of solvent or something like that. Well, that'll, that'll work. It sure sounds right. Let's see. Napsa. Napsaline. Napsa is an extremely volatile, explosive, <laughs> oh my goodness, let me see here, uh, that's Phil's naphtha, what we want is naphtha, any of several highly volatile flammable liquid mixtures of carbohydrates distilled from petroleum, coal tar, and natural gas, that's, that's coal-based soap. I'll be darned. Or, 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 or at least the naphtha part. I don't know. Do you want me to pull that bar out? No. <laughs> I'm sure I could find it really easily, but <laughs> I, I think I think you would find it over by the soap for clothes. And well, it I'm reminds me on, now as I say that. Yeah, yeah I'm looking for ingredients luck. on the internet. Let's see, Phil's naphtha. Contains one of more. Uh, let's see. According to the ingredients list, let's see. Good old wiki. You know. Is that P H E L S? And yeah, it's S E L S N A P T H A. Used for pre-treating stains on clothes and as home remedy for exposure to poison ivy and other skin irritants. Let's see. Use and what we want is ingredients. Hold on. Ingredients. Stoddard solvent is no longer used in the soap. That's talking as if the soap is still available. It is. It is. Okay. Health I mean, considerations. We find this I bought in the probably no later than 1984. Well, that's a long time. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. It is. That's, that's almost 20 years. Four. <laughs> oh my One, goodness, that's 30. right. 84, 94, four. Yeah, it's almost 30 years. 53. Um, okay, so we don't have, we know what it doesn't have, because one of the ingredients was taken out. Let's see if we can get some history here. Don't go away. Not a soap. It's a long time ago. It just doesn't feel like it in one regard. Yeah. In one regard, it feels like forever ago. <laughs> uh, that was in my heyday of wild boar hunting. Right. And, uh... In the other, in the other regard, it's been so long. <laughs> so 
so many things have happened since. Neutrogena is another soap. I, I have had... Yeah. I had acne problems in, in, all the way into my late 30s. And finally, I guess I've grown out of it. But uh, with Neutrogena, it was always the soap that we used to, you know, clean the yeah, skin. Yeah, my, my sister's always had that. And, and um, so I even bought some for a, a while. Mm -hmm. um, it was clearish. Clearish, uh, honey-like, uh, which I liked. You know, that was real cool. <laughs> and it was small. You know, it wasn't a big bar. No. Uh, so on listening to Lux Radio, when they're talking about um, Lux Soap. Yep. And extending the life of nylons, and they're saying, you know, so much more gentler than bar soap. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, did they actually rub bar soap on their nylons? How did they expect them to last at all if they did that? I mean, if yeah. I had bar soap and I was going to be cleaning nylons, I would just make up a lather in my hands and and have a small bowl and uh, and wash it that way if I was going to use some type of bar soap. Yeah, made it. How did you learn how to be so delicate with ladies' nylons? Well, it's Best just common sense. I'm a technical Best kind up. of guy, you know. Um, machinists are ivory, guys. ivory flakes was the item of choice for dainties and women's stockings. But I don't know why that Deluxe, was different right. from other soap. Hmm? I don't know why ivory flakes was so, was the, the, Item of choice. It was the Cadillac of soaps to use for dainties, but I don't know why. Don't you mean Lux, not Ivory? No, Ivory Flakes. Oh well, I never heard of that, but I sure do hear about Lux because of Lux Radio Theater, and they're all saying that that's the Cadillac. <laughs> I guess everybody who owns, who manufactures something. Can say it's Here's what I believe, though, about that soap, and I, I, I just picture it being similar for for the ivory, too, then. I didn't even hear know about ivory flakes, um, but if you're washing something delicate like that in there, like nylon, and you go to, to rinse it off, there's going to be a very small residue of that soap on there, and it's going to act as a lubricant. Now, those little nylon threads slipping on each other instead of just grabbing onto each other and getting stretched and experiencing, you know, higher amounts of force in the local areas, you know, rather than an area all stretching, it's just going to, it's going to last longer. Something slipping on itself is better than something grating on itself. Do you follow? Uh-huh. I do, and I'm listening to you and reading at the same time and okay. hoping okay. that my brain doesn't have an explosion. Um, the term petroleum solvent, so we're talking about naphtha here, and it's kind of an oldish chemistry book, describes the liquid hydrocarbon fractions obtained from petroleum and used in industrial processes and formulations. These fractions are also referred to naphtha or as industrial naphtha. 
By definition, the solvents obtained from the petroleum industry, such as alcohols, ethers, and the like, are not included in this chapter. Oh, dear. Okay. I don't care what's not in the chapter. Um, petroleum solvents. Naphtha is often referred to as NAF, N-A-F as in Frank T. The older literature distilled has been available since the early days of the petroleum industry. Um, composition, what we want is uses, properties and uses. Generally, naphtha is valuable as a solvent because it's of its good dissolving power. The range of naphtha available, paraffin, solvent for paints. Oh, good grief. They use it in paints. No wonder it'll take your skin off. Oh, petroleum. Uh, I probably should look up for soap. Let's see, soap. You know, they mentioned all the different hydrocarbon distillates. I'm no expert by any means. I only am telling you what I've learned from uh, two conversations. The second one only kind of solidified what I was told by a, a first guy was a hazards control technician who actually worked at some refinery, and we were talking about solvents as he was trying to explore what can possibly be causing me all of my respiratory illnesses and problems I was having, trying to find out if it was work-related. And he told me, oh, you will hear this Rio Grande cracked gasoline, okay? On, uh, I don't mean, maybe it's on the Whistler, I'm not sure. But you will hear that sometimes, you recall that? Mm-hmm. Let Joy, I remember on Let Joy Do It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Rio Grande cracked, okay. Mm -hmm. That cracking refers to, and I don't know what, what if they're like uh, simmering the the oil down there to do this as they refine it, or if it's a certain stage way down the road, but they have this big, tall tank, and as these distillates are being broken down, uh, they evaporate, they, they and at the different levels of the of the height in this tank, they they cap off all of these various different distillates. Follow me? Mm-hmm. Maybe gasoline is way at the top. I don't know, but the, you know, naphtha is going to be somewhere. Um, kerosene, so all these different things, diesel, all all these different things are at different, well, of course, I guess the, the more volatile, evaporative things are going to be higher up, I guess. Make sense. So someday, if, if anybody else is still awake and they know more about this than me and could explain it in a layman's term that we could all understand, that would be great. Well, what I've come up with so far for your soap is that it will tear the skin right off your body, which is exactly what you have said it will do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because as I'm rubbing it on there and it's actually abrading, 
which I'm all for because you get these little, 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 teeny little bumps that are that got that oil in you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I want it to burn the heck out of it. You know, I'm, I'm yeah, typical guy, overkill kind of a thing, but that was my formulation, and it worked. It reduced the 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 term, the length of suffering with the poison oak way, 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 way down. Yeah. Even one of the sites said it's used for pre-treating stains on clothing and as a home remedy for poison ivy and other skin problems. So you were right on target with it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember who told me that because I don't recall using it when I was younger. I mean, I used all the Caladrill and Zeradrill and all that stuff. Calamine. Yeah, and you're right. That, that uh, generally left you painted. I think Zeradrill was clearer. Yeah. But but none of them just help it to go away like that. Well, as you say, the irritant in the soap took off the surface layer of the skin, which got to the cause as opposed to temporarily kind of anesthetizing the nerves so that it didn't itch as much, didn't do anything for the poison oak. It just made you help feel a little bit better. All right. Fells naphtha soap has been used for over a hundred years for the treatment and prevention of poison ivy sumac and poison oak rash. How about that? Well, over See, you were a pathfinder here. Uh, Gene, do you have any way of telling if that's actually like new print or was that written years ago, so it's way more than a hundred years? Well, it says it's been used for a hundred years for the prevention of poison ivy. Um, prevention I mean, is, and that, treatment is, is and prevention. Are you reading it from new information, or could it possibly be old? So it's, you know, like written in 1980, say, and it's been 103 it's, years. It's, it, no, it's written more recently because it's uh, the title of the location is called Soaps Gone By. And it looks like you can buy them through this particular site, Phil's Naphtha. It works especially well on oil-based stains. Just rub the stain. Um, let's set. It works great on baby clothes. Let's see what else we got here. <laughs> All right, we have we have covered everything from poison oak to jockey shorts. I think this has been a really good show. <laughs> All right. Right. It just dawned on me one more thing here about that poison oak. Um, when I was driving a bulldozer, one one thing, and I my the home ranch for this bulldozer was a millionaire's ranch um, in Parmel Valley, California, and oftentimes I would thin out the, these hilltops of the ranch that were covered in brush, and often. Um, overpopulated with oak trees. Um, it was basically improvements to the ranch for cattle, even though it wasn't a big-time serious cattle operation. It was more, more or less a write-off for this millionaire. Um, so poison, if I'm going to remove an oak tree, um, well, even though I'm just cleaning up brush, 
Persian oak would be growing all around the bases of these oak trees and up into the oak trees. And so I would come up to the base of the oak tree, push the blade down on the ground, and drive backwards, pulling, stripping the the poison oak out of the oak tree. And, of course, that's got all of this stuff airborne coming down on me and all. And... Um, my friend who I'd lived with down there had been working on this ranch throughout high school. And what he did, uh, he, he would work with the Mexicans and he was a guy who cut up the oak trees and he was actually like the caretaker on the ranch. And he was my age and I, I moved down there when I was 18. Uh, I was there for two years and he would, when he came across these huge specimens of poison oak, and I've never seen anything as large as this, he would cut it off with his chainsaw and he would push it onto his blue jeans and the oil from poison oak would make this big ring of a stain. And he had quite a quite an example of like two inches and plus diameter of these rings on his blue jeans. I, I don't think I ever had some as large as he was. You know, he's been there a lot of years and it, it, was, it didn't expose him much more of it. And that's pretty wild. But that's something that most people wouldn't even think about doing, but you, when you're in it and about it as much as, you, as we were, you know, sticking it on your pant leg is wasn't a it wasn't a wise thing to do because actually you can get transferred onto other items. Like you don't ever want to climb in your sleeping bag with the clothes you're wearing when you're out camping and hiking like that. Because you will put the oil into your sleeping bag and then from then on you can get poison oak each time you sleep in that sleeping bag. You are toast. You are yeah. so right. Well, this site has a mountain of information about naphtha and Fells naphtha. So it's you know it just it makes me a little nervous. But you know, then I go back and say, oh yeah, that makes sense. When I look at something about taking a shower with Fells naphtha and rubbing it against the affected skin, like with poison ivy and poison oak. And then the next one on the list is how to clean paintbrushes with it. With feldenafta? Yeah. And you're nervous because of it being a solvent, right? That's because of a solvent, yes. Yeah, and, and what, when I was using that, and I had no clue about that. We didn't have the Internet. You know. No, and I mean, how how else? I mean, even with the internet, how would you know? Why would you go out and look for the ingredients? It says, and you can spray acids on your roses with it too. Um, it says, in recent years, soap manufacturers have added degreasers and antibacterial ingredients to their product. This is a very harmful to your plants and will likely burn or kill them. When a home gardening technique calls for liquid dish soap, be very careful that you use only ivory or Fels naphtha solution. This is dish soap. So 
so I guess it comes in two ways. You've got the bar soap that you use to treat the poison ivy and poison oak, and then it's got a solution like for dishes, I guess, Use the original lemon liquid type detergent. It is a detergent. It's liquid detergent. So you can. It comes in two ways. So you stick with the bar. Hang in there. Stick stick with the bar. And for uh, <clears throat> excuse me, don't make a solution out of it. I don't know. Just but just said, make sure it but doesn't have. ivory or felsnaphta. Ivory dish what... soap. You didn't just read that. No, it, it says uh, if you're going to spray this stuff on your plants, um, let's see, for black fungus on roses, um, it says shave some fells naphtha into a nylon stocking, into a gallon of water, and put in liquid dish soap, ivory, they recommend. Oh, oh, oh and, okay, and you use so only you ivory and fells naphtha. Yeah, you, you mix you mix the two of them and a whole bunch of other stuff like vegetable oil and water and spray as needed. But then there's a, a caution. <coughs> Excuse me. If you use a soap or a liquid like ivory, if it's added degreases and antibacterial ingredients, it will hurt your plants. So don't use it on your plants. But it doesn't say anything about poison ivy. You just... Hang in there. You're doing the right thing. Huh. Now, did you say that they said to put the Feldnapsa bar into a nylon? No, it, it says in the bucket? It, for, for black spot fungus on your roses, <clears throat> excuse me, it says make a Feldnapsa solution by shaving one inch of Feldnapsa bar into a nylon stocking, place that into a gallon of boiling water, along with four ounces of dish soap, and they recommend ivory. It says this will keep nicely, and you can use it as needed. It will have a gel-like consistency, so mix it well before using. For the black spot fungus, I've never, I don't know what black spot, I guess that's on the leaves. Black spot fungus, mix one tablespoon of baking soda, one tablespoon of vegetable oil, one table of Phil's naphtha solution that you have just made and put it in a gallon of water and then use a spray squishy to do your uh, well, do your leaves. You have rose we know now about naphtha, I wouldn't be boiling that indoors. I don't think so. I mean, I know I'm, I was bathing in it, but I think I would be more concerned about breathing those vapors because that solvent's going to come out of there pretty quick. Yeah, it's with, with the heat, yeah, because you use it in hot water. doesn't say anything about cautions here, though. So I guess what is... Let's see. Did you know Fells Naphtha makes a great tanning, a leather tanning solution? The more I read about, it. the more I read about this, the more I realize. Uh, let's see. It's much safer right. than almost what any other solvent. Hmm. What does it say about um, tanning? About tanning. Uh, it says it's much. It's much safer than almost any other method of tanning. 1980, a friend and I tanned 30 deer hides, some for leather and some, for, some with the hair for rugs. 
with a great deal of success. The hides with the hair still retain their hair to this day. They used one bar per gallon of liquid. We reduced it. Um, I had a bug crawling on my screen. Hold on. Now Florida gets bugs. Um, it was a little flying bug, but I got them. Um, we reduced the bars to shavings first. So they shaved it right down. Over low heat in an iron kettle over a campfire, then allowed it to cool. So let's see, a bar, a, a gallon of liquid, so I'm gathering it's water, yeah? Use one bar per gallon of liquid. We reduced the bars to shavings first over a low heat. We did that in a cast iron kettle, then allowed it to cool. They gave you the instructions backwards. They said, here's how to make the liquid, but first they said, use it in the liquid. Okay, it turns into a runny gel. Then the hides need to be fully immersed for one to two months, depending on ambient temperature. And it doesn't give really highly specific instructions, but it says you can do it. Well, the, that, I, I would have thought that the hair would dissolve or separate out of it, but it stayed. And he's not distinguishing between hair on and hair off, huh? Well, it says to this day, let's see, yeah, it did. Um, they tanned some for leather and some with the hair on for rugs with great success. The hides with the hair still retain the hair to this day. Now, this was in 1980 they did this. And right this when I was needed copied. to do it myself, I had this beautiful... Um, mule deer hide from the winter and it was the thickest hide I've ever you know come across and I did all the work of stretching it out you know nailing it down on plywood salting mm -hmm. it and then later uh, putting some mineral oil on it and um, I just didn't send it anywhere to have it tanned now I did know that you you can um, use oak bark, oak bark and um, ashes from a fire, if I'm remembering it correctly. Because um, my friend did that, but I didn't see the result of it, so I don't know if he actually yeah. fully made a finished product with it or not, but I think in that way the hair comes off. And I wanted this hair on. However, you know, if I would have known about the Fells naphtha way, I would have even, you know, done it with wild boar hides, you know, with the hair off, because unless I was doing some kind of joke thing with it or something. Yeah. Or, I had, um, I didn't have as much time as I wanted today. I had some running around to do. When I got back, I tried quickly to find recipes for pioneer soap how they made Pioneer uh, soap with lard and with lye. And in the lye, they started with ashes. So maybe you created a lye-type a lye type solution by using wood ashes. So there you go. So that, that might have been it. And, and uh, as I say, I didn't tannin. go back. Tannin is in tan bark. Yeah. 